Tis the season to be jolly. Welcome back to Lock on Buckeyes. Good Monday, everybody. I'm your host, Kyle Lamb. It's Christmas season. It's bowl season. It's playoff season. It's football season. It's basketball season. It's big game hunting season. Buckeyes knocking down past college basketball champions like it's no other. It's a great time to be alive, Buckeye Nation. Welcome back to your daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast. Catch Lock on Buckeyes on the podcast platform of your choice. Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or simply say, play Lock on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. Today, I've been talking about it since last week. You delivered the top five Ohio State wins of the last 25 years. I'll tell you number one today. I know that's a little unusual. We're going to start number one and work backwards, but we'll come up with number one later on. More Ohio State-Clemson today. That's coming up in a few minutes. It's feeling a lot like 2016 in reverse. I'll explain why. And also, again, not to beat a dead horse here, but Ohio State run game advantage on both sides of the ball. I'll explain that. And I mentioned it, Buckeye basketball. They keep getting it done. Add Kentucky to the list of major programs that have been Shot down by the Buckeyes so far this season as the Buckeyes win 71-65 in Las Vegas on Saturday. We'll talk about Ohio State's success, why you should jump on the bandwagon, and why college basketball should be moved back. I'll give my explanation for that. Lockdown Buckeyes is brought to you by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye. Licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at jfqlending.com. We are also here support from GoBus. GoBus has over 40 stops across Ohio with popular destinations like the Hocking Hills, Mohican State Park, and Ohio's big cities. Visit them at RideGoBus.com. It is beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. And by Christmas, I mean both in actuality and metaphorically speaking. Christmas is just two days away, but the Fiesta Bowl is coming up. Later this Saturday, December the 28th, 8 p.m. kickoff between Ohio State and Clemson out in the Fiesta Bowl in Glendale, Arizona. Really exciting. It's uh, Look, I've been probably getting on some people's nerves because I'm saying this so much. They're afraid I'm going to jinx it or they're just getting annoyed with it in general. But I really, really think this matchup is slanted in Ohio State's favor. And interestingly enough, it is so much the reverse of the last time these two teams met. And I've been saying I actually think a blowout is possible. That's not, I'm not getting overconfident or cocky in Ohio State's favor. I recognize Clemson is a good team. This could wind up being a close game. This could wind up being a Clemson blowout if things just don't go right. In fact, one of my friends and I were discussing this. One way that Ohio State could wind up getting run out of the building, and I don't think this will happen, but the one way that I see it happening is if Clemson jumps out to a big lead and Ohio State is forced to really abandon the run, have to pass to come from behind, that Clemson blitz pressure gets to Ohio State, the the uh, pre-snap reads confuse Justin Fields, Clemson does enough to keep him from really seeing the defense correctly and making a lot of mistakes, throwing off his heels, throwing some interceptions. It could get ugly if that's how the game goes. So I I recognize this is not necessarily a a walk in the park for Ohio State. But 
I really think that there are paths for not only an Ohio State victory here, but it might be, and I, I feel like I'm the only one saying this, so I'm going to pat myself on the back if this comes to fruition, but this might be an Ohio State win going away. What is going away? What is going away mean? I mean, you could say 10 points is going away, two touchdowns is going away, 31 points. I don't know. I don't know what your definition is, but I feel like this could be a two to three touchdown win for Ohio State. It could be one of those jaw-dropping, jaw-dropping games where the rest of the college football world watches in sheer amazement and says to themselves, wow, this Ohio State team is really actually very good. And it should, people should already be there. The, the numbers that Ohio State have put up all year, especially considering they still continued 13 straight games of double digits despite beating three straight top 10 teams at the end of the year. But it's going back to this, it feels like the reverse of 2016. Ohio State was a two and a half point favorite. And I'm not saying that nobody doubted Ohio State could lose. It's not that there was nobody picking Clemson, but there was a lot of, uh, looking back on it, maybe overconfidence, especially from Buckeye Nation, that Ohio State would win that game. There were some people that were nervous Nellies. You get that every game. But a lot of people really thought that Ohio State was going to win. They were two and a half point favorites. And this feels like the reverse, because right now Clemson is a two and a half point favorite over Ohio State. I'm not saying that that's karma, that that means Ohio State is going to win by 31 points. You know, not everything repeats itself, so poetically speaking. But I am feeling this. There, there are things I've been talking about Clemson's run defense the small-ish defensive line and linebackers that Ohio State can run over. They've already done it with three top 10 run defenses, Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And this Clemson team is a little bit like Michigan with the smaller defensive line. Ohio State can run on them. And the run game on the other other side is really vital because Travis Etienne is a big playback. He's put up some gaudy numbers this year. Over 1,500 yards, 8 yards to carry. When you look at that at first blush, you're like, uh-oh, Ohio State's in trouble. This is a real problem. But dig deeper. Look at look more closely. Because when you pull apart the game logs for Clemson and you look at who Etienne and Clemson ran against and who they didn't, this is a little bit problematic for Clemson. Because sure, they ran for 17 yards a carry against Georgia Tech, or Etienne did. Ran for 17 yards a carry against them. 13.7 yards against Louisville. 23 yards a carry against Wofford. When you just look at that, it's like, wow, yeah, this is really, really frightening, really terrifying, intimidating stuff, okay? And this Clemson has a lot of, this Clemson team has a lot of talent, no doubt. But look closer. Etienne had 3.3 yards a carry against Texas A&M. Five yards of carry against Syracuse and Charlotte. 4.8 yards, basically five yards of carry against North Carolina. Against South Carolina, 3.4 yards of carry. The better teams defensively that Clemson faced this year were able to take away the big plays in the run game by Clemson and Travis Etienne. If Ohio State can do that and replicate the success it's had on the ground against some really, really talented run defenses, 
run defenses that statistically actually are better than Clemson, I like where Ohio State sits. And that's why it feels so much like, I don't want to say it feels like 2016, because there are some differences there. But it feels like a team at two and a half point underdogs that is being vastly undersold and has the advantage, in my opinion, and I, I really truly say this objectively, they have the the advantage, both run offense and run defense, like both sides of the ball. When you look at this game, it favors Ohio State. That alone won't necessarily win Ohio State the game. You have to look at turnovers. Will Justin Fields show up? Will Trevor Lawrence show up? Special teams are always big in games like this. There are a lot of different paths here where it doesn't necessarily mean Ohio State will win even if they are better on paper. But I'm looking at this, the run game, the big play potential of Travis Etienne is what makes Clemson so explosive. But if Ohio State can and generally has taken away those big plays this year, then I like Ohio State going into this game. So... I don't know. This is just me, and I've, I've, I've tried to look for reasons not to be... I've tried to look for ways to temper the enthusiasm, the optimism. I don't want to lead people astray because you can you can look at a bunch of different numbers and you could twist them a little bit and maybe put them out of context, but I really believe when you dig deep, the analytics like what they see in Ohio State coming up this Saturday. We'll talk more about Ohio State, of course. More about this game in in general. But coming up next, I've been teasing it since last week. I promised it. You all voted on the top five games in Ohio State football in the last 25 years. Coming up next segment, I'm about to give you the number one game as we work our way back to number five. Last week, I asked listeners of the Locked On Buckeyes podcast on Twitter to give me their top three games of the last 25 years for Ohio State. And boy, did all of you deliver. We wound up getting nearly 300 responses slash votes for this little exercise that we're doing for the podcast. I thought this would be a great week to do it as well because there is so much nostalgia and excitement. It's holiday season. Christmas is coming up on Wednesday. The New Year is coming up next week. We have Ohio State Clemson coming up on Saturday. And I know many of you, can I do it myself, around this time of year, especially before the really big games for basketball postseason, I do the same thing in March. There is something special about going back and watching old games or clips of old games or highlights or condensed games, whatever the case may be. It's fun to go back and see some of the past games it's this is the season not only for the holidays and cheer and giving and all that, but it's also the season for nostalgia as far as sports are concerned, especially college football. This is a perfect time of year to do this. So I picked 25 years. We're going to do the top five games. We have some abbreviated episodes coming up this week because of Christmas. We are still going to do five episodes of Lock on Buckeyes, but a couple of them are going to be a little bit shorter, just sheerly for the purpose of doing the top five games in the last 25 years for Ohio State. And I picked 25 because I want to make sure that all the listeners are able to compare these games apples to apples. Some of the older people might be able to pick out, you know, the games in the 70s, the 10-year wars and the Rose Bowls. And some of those are great games, but not everybody 
listening to the podcast will be able to relate to those. So I picked 25 years because most of the audience, most of the listeners will be able to relate to the games mentioned here this week. So today we're going to start with number one. I know some of these lists is customary. You generally start start at the, the back and then work your way up to the number one. But let's be honest, there's not a lot of mystery behind the cu- top couple that I'm going to mention this week. So we're going to start with number one, and I'm going to work back to number five on Friday. So we'll go one today, two on Tuesday, three on Christmas Day, four on Thursday, and then five will be on Friday. And then we'll kind of do an overview and a recap of some of the games that just missed. And that'll set us into Ohio State Clemson coming up on Saturday. So I think this is going to be a fun week. And it's a lot of nostalgia here. So let's start with the number one game of the last 25 years, as voted on by the many of you that that put in your votes. And I'm probably not going to surprise most of you, although this was actually a close race for number one. But the leading game was, of course, the Fiesta Bowl in January 2003, Ohio State and Miami. And... This game, I think, is fitting that it should be number one. There are a lot of reasons that a couple other games we'll mention later this week could have been number one and and did get some number one votes. But I think this is the game that epitomizes Ohio State because if you really look at the results, it was one of the greatest upsets of all time, at least on paper, given uh, given the importance of the game. Now, we've seen probably greater upsets, and in retrospect, Ohio State, which was almost a 14-point underdog in this game, probably shouldn't have been that big of an underdog. But you were going up against a Miami team that was absolutely loaded. They had a 30-some game win streak going. And although that particular Miami team wasn't the juggernaut necessarily that the 2001 version of the Hurricanes was, it really was, (laughs) it was David versus Goliath. And I remember thinking in this game, it's like, I want Ohio State fans to be optimistic that they can win this game. And there was a little bit of cockiness that Ohio State just managed to win every game, even in times where it felt like they shouldn't. You remember the holy Buckeye game against Purdue. You think back earlier in the season against Cincinnati, that game was closer than it should have been. They had to hold their breath against Illinois late in the season. And of course, the Michigan game where Ohio State exercises demons finally getting over the hump in a meaningful game against a team up north. But Miami was different because it was just like, I mean, wow, this is (laughs) Ohio state really probably has no business winning this game. Even though the, the 2002 version of the hurricanes weren't as good as 2001, they were still undefeated and they still had an incredible amount of NFL talent. You look at all the guys, Willis McGahee, of course he got hurt in, in that game. Ken Dorsey, uh, you know, you just look at all the receivers, Jonathan Bilma on the defensive side of the ball. There's so many, uh, it was incredible. They had NFL guys at almost every position, but that game was interesting because I remember nothing really, really worked for Ohio state offensively. They just managed Craig Krenzel just managed to do enough. Michael Jenkins caught a couple of big passes in that game. Of course, the, the big one, everyone to remember is the fourth and 14 later, late in the game. Uh, you know, Maurice Claret was playing with a bum shoulder and a bum knee. But Ohio State managed to find a way. And it, it was so surreal because for a guy like me that had grown up watching Ohio State 
I had never seen an Ohio State win a national championship. And I remember as the game ended, it was just so surreal because you couldn't believe that it what had actually happened. The way the game played out with the, the pass interference call, which, by the way, was absolutely the correct call. You could argue that maybe it should have been defensive holding, but the result is, in essence, the same. Ohio State should have gotten a flag called on that play. I'm sorry, Canes fans are still butthurt to this day about it, but it was the correct call. It was a penalty. But just the way that game played out, the 4th and 14, the pass interference call, the you know going into double overtime, and then when Ohio State actually won it, and I, remember, I still remember that last play, so vivid in my mind, C. Grant coming in and corralling Ken Dorsey by the shoulder pads and then him throwing it errantly. And then all of a sudden the game is over and it's just like, it took a minute to register. It's like, wow, did Ohio State really just pull this off? And I saw this list from the College Bowl Association come out this week of the, the greatest 25 bowl games of all time. And the Fiesta Bowl, Ohio State, Miami was not even listed on that. And looking at that game now, especially, they had that number one being Texas USC from 2005, which makes a lot of sense. That probably was the greatest bowl game ever played and one of the greatest games ever played, period. But I look at this list now and, and I, I look at this game and it's like, how did this game not make one of the 25 greatest games of all time? I mean, you look at the storylines, it's just, it's especially incredible because Ohio State already had a mediocre offense and then their star running back was not healthy for this game. They willed themselves to victory, a 14-point underdog managing to beat one of the greatest college football teams of all time. And it's just a great story. It absolutely belongs as one of the 25 greatest games of all time. It definitely belongs as the number one greatest Ohio State win of the last 25 years. I'm thankful that it did get number one on this list because I think it's fitting. I think Ohio State fans that vividly remember this game, think back to how you felt when Ohio State won that game. Was that not still, if you compare all of the feelings after every Ohio State win in your lifetime, Tell me that how you felt that night, January 4th, uh, 2003, or whatever night it was, that that was not the greatest feeling of your life. Seeing Ohio State winning a consensus national championship in an underdog role in one of the biggest upsets against one of the greatest teams of all time. My friends, it doesn't get better than that. Ohio State, Miami, double overtime in the Fiesta Bowl, the BCS national championship game. January 2003, that is a moment that will live in infamy with Buckeye Nation. Still, to me, the greatest win of Ohio State of all time. I think it's a fitting number one. Coming up tomorrow, we'll be back with number two on this list at top 25, top five wins of Ohio State all time. And coming up next, we'll talk Ohio State basketball. Big win this weekend over Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic. We'll tell you what that means for Ohio State and also talk a little bit about why I think college basketball could be benefit from moving back a little bit. I'll explain that coming up. I, I shouldn't get too far ahead of myself before I say this, but I'm going to anyway, just for the sake of making the point, because Ohio State does still have West Virginia coming up on Sunday. So let me preface it by saying that game has not been won. That's an actually a, a really tough game. West Virginia is top 10 right now in the, the current net ratings. 
Remember, NET replaces RPI for the NCAA using as a measuring tool for the basketball selection committee. This West Virginia team has lost just once. It's a very, very solid team. Now, they haven't played a terribly tough schedule. By NET standards, they actually have a really good strength of schedule. But when you look at it, it's, you know, it's not the greatest schedule in the world. That's a good West Virginia team. Ohio State's going to have to show up and play a good game to win. But if I had told you back early before the season, in August, September, October, that Ohio State potentially would have one loss on January 1st of this season. And then I told you that one loss was not to Cincinnati. It was not to Villanova. It was not to North Carolina. It was not to Kentucky. And it was not to West Virginia. You would probably look at me like, wow, you're crazy. Because I think most people, even myself, who thought that this Ohio State team would wind up being pretty good by the end of the year, would probably still have a couple of losses at this point in the season. I would have especially expected, if it only had one loss, it would probably come at North Carolina or Kentucky or Villanova. But it's shocking that we're looking at a possibility of Ohio State having one loss on January 1st and not having a loss to any of those teams. And some people are still a little upset, disappointed that they lost at Minnesota. But I'm telling you, I said it last week, and I'll say it again, that Minnesota team is better than the record. In fact, they just won against Oklahoma State by 20 in Tulsa the other day. That Minnesota team, it's inexperienced. It's had some injuries. They got off to a rough start. have had a tough schedule. Teams like Butler, they've lost to, which Butler only has one loss. And actually right now, in contention for a one or two seed in the NCAA tournament. So Minnesota is a lot better than its record. Losing on the road at Williams Arena with eight days off following finals, with the second leading scorer, Dwayne Washington, not playing. All of that combined with Minnesota shooting really, really well. Ohio State just being due for a bad game. It really is a forgivable loss. And Ohio State looked really good against Kentucky at times and looked really sloppy at times. But I think the more interesting thing is Ohio State was able to win against Kentucky, shooting well below the season average, being sloppy at times. I thought Kentucky played one of the best games, if not the best game it's played all year long. That Kentucky team can't shoot. And to be honest and to be fair, they didn't really shoot that well against Ohio State except for Nate Cessna who did shoot really well. He had five three-pointers and eight tries. And for Ohio State to win that game, playing a so-so game, below average shooting, Kentucky playing a really good game, again, I think it tells a lot about this Ohio State team. If the season ended today, and it doesn't, but if it did, Ohio State would be clearly a number one seed, probably the number one overall seed. They would probably be number one seeds along with Gonzaga, Duke, and either Kansas or Butler or Baylor. Those would be your number one seeds if the season ended today. Ohio State has a chance to put up an unbelievable profile going into the NCAA tournament this year. They already have one of the best resumes right now. You could argue it is number one. I think it is. Look, Kentucky is down a little bit. North Carolina is down a little bit. Villanova I don't want to say they're down because they did just beat number one Kansas this weekend. 
but they're not they're not as good as they were those couple years they won the title. You could argue those teams are down, and it's still the best profile in college basketball. And the crazy thing is, with Cincinnati, Villanova, Kentucky, North Carolina, Ohio State has beat four teams that has won a national title. Ohio State plays five more teams coming up that has won a national title all time, being Michigan State, Indiana, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Maryland. Ohio State has a chance before the regular season concludes to have beaten nine teams that have won national titles in their history. That's out of about 31 games. Almost a third of Ohio State's schedule when the season ends could be could be included with wins over teams with national championships. That's really, really amazing. And no, that has nothing to do with Ohio State winning a national title this year, winning a Big Ten title this year. But it's just a reminder that Ohio State basketball is having an incredible season that could do something that we've never seen from a Buckeye team. And honestly, this should be the norm. This should be the expectation. Because I posted this again on Twitter. I actually posted it back in August, and I, I brought it back to the forefront and retweeted it on Sunday. But Ohio State is the greatest combination of Ohio State, of football and basketball of any school in the country. If you look at the final AP polls dating all the way back to 1948, when the AP basketball and football poll was run, running concurrently, Ohio State is the number one school all time in results in the final AP poll with basketball and football combined. Ohio State's barely ahead of Oklahoma, and there's a big gap And then there's Michigan and UCLA and some other schools. It's Ohio State number one, Oklahoma number two. This is a clear, clear cut football and basketball schools combined all time in the AP poll. The Buckeyes should be a basketball powerhouse too. They're not quite a blue blood, but they're in that next tier of schools right after the blue bloods. The blue bloods in basketball are Indiana most people believe, Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, UCLA, Kentucky. And then some people would put also Louisville in that. That's debatable. I personally would. Some people don't. I know some people say Michigan State is a blue blood. They're not. Michigan State is a product of Tom Izzo. They were not a blue blood before Tom Izzo. And to be a blue blood for me, you have to be historically good. You have to be royalty at the start of the sport or early on in the sport. And Michigan State just doesn't date that back consistently. They had a few moments, of course, Magic, Magic Johnson in the late 70s. But for all intents and purposes, they don't go back that long. But anyway, Ohio State, it is not quite a blue blood in basketball. It's been a blue blood killer this year. But it's definitely a program that belongs in the conversation as a top 10 or top 15 all-time school. So it's great to see the Buckeyes knock off Cincinnati, North Carolina, Villanova, Kentucky, chance to knock off West Virginia and Cleveland coming up on Sunday. They're putting together a really special season. They've got a chance to be a number one seed, win a Big Ten title, make a Final Four run, and compete for a national title. Love to see it. I hope Buckeye Nation really jumps on board. I know some of you are reticent to to jump on the basketball train in December. I know some of it is scheduling. 
there are a lot of reasons why. It's not for me to question you, but I will say this. It's it's I've never understood the inability to to jump on a basketball game here and there. It's it's not that difficult. I know some sometimes it's just a matter of staying on top of the schedule and knowing when they play. But if you know when they play, it's a two hour basketball game. You jump in front of the couch, you turn it on, you watch it, and then you go do whatever you want to do. But whatever your reasoning for watching or not watching, you might want to jump on the train the rest of the year with this team because it's fun to watch. They're a really good basketball team. That kind of leads me to one other point I want to make before we go because I have never understood why the NCAA lets its basketball season be dwarfed for two months by college football. I know there are some people that say don't move it because well, if the college basketball season were moved back, then March Madness wouldn't be March Madness. It'd be April Madness or May Madness. To me, I don't think that matters. As long as you get the season over with, by the time the NBA playoffs start, which is late April, then people are still going to watch. What are you going up against? You're going up against baseball. That's it. People don't care about baseball in April. Some people do, but most people don't. If you moved back the start of college basketball season and make all of the exempt tournaments start in the, let's say, the last two weeks of December, the last 10 days or so of December, and then start the regular season after January 1st, and then compact all the regular season in one semester, which actually, by the way, any advisor or people that works in athletics, if basketball were a single semester sport, being played from January to April, all within the single semester, it would be a lot easier and better for the people that that work with the academic side and and keeping players eligible. There's just a lot more. It's it's cleaner that way if it were to start in January or at least after the conclusion of the first semester in early December. So move everything back to January to April. From January to April, compact the season. You still play the same number of games. You have two games every week. The exempt tournaments be played in December. All of your conference games start around February. You'd still get the conference tournaments done by the end of March and the NCAA tournament run the last three weeks of April. You're done by finals. You're done by the start of NBA playoffs. More importantly, all of the games in the regular season. By the way, I said this before, we mentioned a couple weeks ago, the college basketball regular season isn't necessarily meaningful. It's not more meaningful than football, but it is entertaining because of all the big time games you get. And if football fans were completely unoccupied with their time when college basketball starts in January, they would get a focus on so many of the great non-conference clashes, the Champions Classic, the CBS Sports Classic, all the exempt tournaments, the Jimmy V Classic, the Big Ten ACC Challenge, all of these events that pit all these great teams playing one another, college football fans would be unencumbered. They'd be able to watch in January, February, March, and April. The ratings would go up. The schools would make more money because it would lead to higher ratings for the networks and the networks would pay more. I've never understood why college basketball doesn't want to get away from the shadow of college football for the first two months of its season. It just never made any sense to me. So I say start college basketball late December with exempt tournaments, 
all the regular season games starting in January, and you run the season through until April, and then that's when March Madness would actually become April Madness. I'm not concerned with the branding. Really, it's not going to matter to me if you can't use the term March Madness any longer. It just doesn't matter to me. Just play the tournament. People are still going to watch. There's nothing going on in April that would stop them from watching the NCAA college basketball tournament. So anyhow, I hope Ohio State fans jump on board. I really hope college basketball moves the season back like I'm suggesting. It would be great for college football fans that are just casual basketball fans to tune in for the entire season. But regardless of your status, jump on this bandwagon. Ohio State basketball is here. It is a legit top five basketball team right now in Columbus, Ohio, as we talk about a chance for the football team to win a national title. We're also talking about a chance for the basketball team this year to compete for a national title as well. This is Locked on Buckeyes. We'll be back with four more episodes. A couple of them will be abbreviated due to the holiday, but I will be back to finish the top five list of Ohio State wins the last 25 years. We'll preview more Ohio State Clemson. We'll talk more Ohio State basketball later in the week. It's been a great week. Make sure you follow us on the platform of your choice. The only daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast on the interweb. You can find us Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or simply say, play the Lockdown Buckeyes on your smart speakers. Catch me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Catch the show at Lockdown Buckeye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with more Lockdown Buckeyes.